it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They play well together. Obviously, have some, some playmakers they've had a great. I think there are a bunch of first-rounders up there mm-hmm. flying around. So, um, just talented. I think you see Harrison in the back end um, and what he can do in the box or or back deep, and obviously Xavier um, is playing extremely well. Various Eagles talking about the uh, Minnesota Vikings. You know, it's crazy when you, Kyler brought this up on the show yesterday, that the Vikings and Eagles are, it's like that Spider-Man meme where he's looking in a mirror and pointing at himself. He's that's That might as well be the Eagles and the Vikings. Not only this season where both are defense first teams mm-hmm. with Rams cast off backups as quarterbacks right now. Now they had Carson Wentz for the Eagles franchise quarterback and he'll be back next year, but they're both kind of made up of the same DNA this season, you know, head coaches that are relatively new on the rise and uh, a, a great front for rush, rushing the pass or those things. But if you look historically, I was looking this up before the show, both the Eagles and Vikings are wildly successful in the regular season historically in the Super Bowl era, but have no Super Bowl titles. Now, the Eagles have been around longer, and they have three NFL championships before the Super Bowl era. Mm -hmm. And the Vikings, uh, they got started just a few years before the Super Bowl era. Mm -hmm. The Vikings, 28 playoff appearances in the Super Bowl era, no titles. Eagles, 20 playoff appearances with no titles in the Super Bowl era. Uh, And both, the other thing, too, is the Eagles have only, like, Four or five, what I would consider debacle seasons, where you win three games or four games or go five and eleven. The Vikings only have about three of those over the same time span in the Super Bowl era over the past, you know, fifty years or so. Uh, plus, they both have a Randall Cunningham connection. Randall Cunningham, yep. longtime successful quarterback in yeah, the early nineties, right. and then Randall Cunningham was uh, the, the the starting quarterback for the greatest Vikings offense of all time. There's all kinds of parallels between these two franchises. So so the Vikings debacle seasons were what? 84 under Steckel after Bud left in 83 and then Bud came back in 85. Um the year cer- Frazier got certainly fired. The Frazier uh no, no, he actually he was around he took over in 2010. 2011 they went 3 and 13, right? Mm-hmm. And he kept the job and got, got him back to the playoffs in 2012. And then I, I don't know if you consider his last year debacle. They went five ten and one. They weren't good. Yeah, borderline debacle. Yeah. yeah, but but they also you're right in this sense too. The Philadelphia has the has the long line of of Andy Reid coached years when you were really good and in this and during the season you were fantastic. Go to one Super Bowl, but playoff wise you just can't do it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Very Viking like. Yeah, that's true. That's that's true. Uh, defensively, I'll say this: the, both defensive lines uh, going into this game on Sunday are very good. Uh, the one edge where the Eagles might have pulled ahead of the Vikings now because of injury is, is offensive line. Both teams have good lines. 
I think the Eagles have the advantage with Easton out because you've had to move your right tackle to left guard and, and bring in a backup tackle. So the one area where where I would say injury is going to play a factor is is there's a good chance that the Eagles' uh, pass rush could be more effective because the Vikings' offensive line is probably not going to be as good as what Philadelphia has. Uh, what are the reviews on Mike Remmer's left guard? He took a penalty for sure in there somewhere, but what are the... I talked to Collar about this last night of for a Purple podcast. The reviews on him, I think, were okay. Uh, the review overall is that if you're going to win this game on Sunday, your uh, run blocking has to be better. Yeah, I would agree on with that. On that field. And, the eye test kind of showed this that. All, this all comes back to the most important thing. And and anytime we talk about Keenum, people hear we don't like him. That's They just tune out the, the rest of the conversation. But I said this going in, into Sunday, and you got the miracle play. But I said this going into the Saints game, and I'll say the same thing again. If you if your philosophy going into this game at some point in time is case you have to win the game for us, that's a lot to ask. Like you need you need things to be working. But didn't he do that at the he end? He was of the- able to do it. It was a miracle. But my point is, if you if you want to if you want to be more at ease during the course of that game on Sunday and give yourself a chance to win and feel good for the entirety of the game, you need your run game to be more effective, I think, ultimately, than it was against the Saints. I guess I would pause you right there with the, I guess the expectations police would pull you over right there. Okay. Because I don't think it's realistic to expect, whether it's the Philadelphia game, the game we just saw with the Saints going into that, or whoever you play in the Super Bowl, you're not, I think it's it's unrealistic to say that, well, here's a formula for how you can feel really good for four quarters. Or feel you're going to lead comfortably. Even when they were up 17 to nothing, it's Drew Brees. Like, of course they were going to mount some kind of a comeback. And now you're playing on the road against a really good defense, and then you're going to face either the Jaguars defense or Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Just brace yourself. There's not going to be three hours of joy. Okay. And if, if you get three I'll hours rephrase. of joy, it's awesome. I'll rephrase. If you want to give, if you're the Vikings and you want to give yourself uh, the best chance to, to win that game and, and not need a miracle at the end, your offense needs to play better as a whole. Your run game needs to work. I mean, could could you repeat the same formula? I don't think so, perhaps. But if you want to give yourself ultimately the best chance to go into uh, a road game on natural grass that's not fantastic and, and eat up clock and be consistent, there are more elements of your offense on Sunday that I think need to work than probably did uh, consistently against the Saints. See, and the way I look at it, you still scored 23 points before the miracle play. You scored 23 points with a very flawed offensive performance where your running game was mostly run in, like ram into two-yard, three-yard runs and get tackled. You didn't, didn't have a lot of success in the running game. Uh, passing the ball, Case Keenum was not good for the first two and a half quarters and threw a terrible interception. And yet, against a pretty damn good defense, now you're at home, so it's easier at home than it would be on the road in Philadelphia. You still put up 23 points. It wasn't a disastrous offensive performance. So I actually think I would take what you're saying and I would apply it more to if you faced the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You have to be almost flawless offensively if you play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You can't throw an interception or two and waste a bunch of possessions because Tom Brady is still going to find a way to put up 20-some points against a really good defense. He did it in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks four years ago. Mm-hmm. So if we get to that point where it's we're, we're handicapping Vikings versus Saints, I will agree with you fully and say, you better be not only better and clean it up, but you better be damn near flawless. Against this Eagles team, mm-hmm. 
I don't think you can be a disaster offensively and win. Mm-hmm. But for the notion that, well, the Vikings have to clean it all up if they want to win this game, I would present to you this on the Philadelphia side. They've scored 11 points per game in their last three all home games. They can't score. They have two touchdowns in their last three games combined. I know they played backups for one half of that yeah, Dallas the game. The Dallas game doesn't really count. But still, like in, in, more than that. in two of those games, they tallied under 220 yards of total offense. Yep. They've turned the ball over six times their last three games, and that's against non-Vikings defenses. There's a chance the Vikings could hold the Eagles' offense to 10 points or fewer in this game, in which case you wouldn't really have to do a whole lot offensively. This could be... This could be uh, what just one of the great performances defensively in terms of like the moment and the stars aligning. The Eagles haven't done anything offensively in the last three weeks, so they don't they don't scare me a lot on that side of the ball. You don't have to do I will much. Be, I will be a buzzkill and say this: if you take the formula that that was applied on Sunday and take that on the road in this game, you won't win. I disagree. You won't win. The Saints are better than the Eagles. The Saints. The Saints, the, Saints, have the, Saints have, the Saints have a better quarterback, but if you take this formula and and Philadelphia has a very good defense and you make the same mistakes that you made on Sunday on the road, you don't win. You but, don't but, get the miracle Judd, play. In the first half, and I get it's home versus away, there's a factor there that it's tough to quantify, and you're not going to be able to just like snowplow a team at home like you would. They took a 17-0 lead on one of the greatest offensive pairings, Sean Payton and Drew Brees, that the league has ever seen. And then that pairing goes back to the drawing board and squeezes all the toothpaste they can out of the tube to take a a slight lead with 25 seconds to go. So I I think if you take the same exact performance, a slightly flawed offensive performance that still allowed you to score 23 points before the miracle, let's take the miracle Mm -hmm. out of the equation. Mm -hmm. If you layer that same performance on top of this Eagles game in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and then I get also the Vikings defense against Nick Foles and company, the Vikings win that game like 20 to 9. I think they win the game like 20 to 9 or 17 to 9. If you They beat the Eagles with that performance. They beat the they beat the Saints with that performance and it was a better team. The Saints are a better overall team now that Carson Wentz is gone than the Eagles are. In this game if Keenum throws a bad pick, Forbath misses a field goal and you get another type of like special teams mistake or something, you'll lose this game. You will lose on the road. Well, you're accounting for a blocked punt too, though. Oh, okay, That's but like I'm, a, a super fluke. Okay, play but too. but I'm saying go back. The most important thing is this, and Collar did a piece on on this on the site this morning. He did a really good comprehensive look at Keenum's game and the passes he threw and the bad pick and about two or three passes besides that. If you do this against that defense and that pick that that the Saints had easily could could have been taken back for a touchdown, you will lose. You need to clean that up. You absolutely, going on the road, need to clean that up. But that's been Case Keenum the entire year. Well, He's I, had three throws in every game this whole, you know, this whole season. You need to clean it up. Or what? There, there's four teams left. They just beat one of the best teams Before in the you're NFL. Gonna, well, then you're, if, if he does not do that on Sunday, you will lose that game. I, I, if, he I, does not, if he does the same thing, if he applies the same thing, it's going to end at some point. I know that your general... That's why your like, run game needs to be better. Because your offense... Your, the key to this offense is that as a whole, it operates very or can very efficiently. If Keenum, if he goes around trying to scramble and and as he's being taken down again, throws an irresponsible pass, eventually that's going to get picked off. No, I, it's going to bite him in the I, ass. But here's the thing. The entire season, he's been playing with that, that sort of diet Brett Favre 
uh, vibe about him. Mm-hmm. Where three, three or four throws a game, and you just sort of ooh, you you cringe as you watch the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. And let's give him an intercept. He's averaging like an interception a game or something. He's got, I believe, he has ten interceptions now in thirteen, fourteen, whatever it is. It's like slightly less than. So just give him an interception. He's going to throw an interception against Philadelphia. The entire season and the entire last three weeks, your and you're right on this. Your main talking point has been this is about defense. This is about defense. So why now is it not about the best defense in the NFL against Nick Foles? They're not going to score. They're going to score nine points that's, in this game, the Eagles. But that's my so po- if the Vikings but, can score ten or seventeen, they win, and you can do that with a flawed offensive performance. No, but if that if that flawed offensive performance results in, in points for the Philadelphia defense and or really favorable short fields, which are hard to stop at times, that's your problem. The defense can win this game if you give them the opportunity. If you have, if Keenum goes, eventually this is going to, and it ordinarily happens in a game like this where you get lucky and you throw one pick where there could have been three. In a game like this, it all of a sudden becomes three. And now Philadelphia returns one for a touchdown, let's say, and then gets really short fields, which becomes tough to stop teams on. That's my point. This can be about the about the defense. What you need to do is you need to give the defense every opportunity to win this game. And if your run game is efficient, that takes pressure off Keenum, and that makes things offensively much more favorable for you if you're the Vikings. Yeah, and I guess final word because we got to get to Kevin Gork here is Case Keenum has he's played like one or two flawless games all year, all year, and they've won the games that he hasn't been flawless too. They've won, they've won almost every game they played with Case Keenum this year. So I whatever Kevin Gork is going to make his first appearance on the Mackey and Judge. So we'll talk Hockey Day Minnesota, get his thoughts on uh, on on this Vikings run so far. Plus. <laughs> We'll also uh, catch up with our friend Mike Golda Jr. in about an hour from now. Mackie and Judd. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Bring it on! This is 1500 ESPN. There are special overtime rules in the playoffs. Both teams get an opportunity to possess the football with one exception. That one exception is that a touchdown always wins the game. So if the team that gets the opening kickoff scores a touchdown on their first possession, the game is over at that point. If the team that first gets the ball kicks a field goal, the other team will have an opportunity to possess the football, and then we are essentially in sudden death. If the first team that gets the football does not score, we will go into sudden death. The second team will then have the opportunity to possess the ball. And the first team to score, even if it's just by three points, will win. Yes, we get Ed Hockley on Sunday. Ed, stop. Yes. Uh, Hockey Day Minnesota is this weekend. Uh, Kevin Gorg making his first ever appearance on the Mackey and Judd Show. Gorgie, what's going on, man? Everybody's got a smile on their face. You know, I'm I'm 50 years old right now. I've lived here all my life. And uh, I think what happened uh, this past weekend was so un-Minnesota when it comes to sports in our world, guys our age, that everybody just walks around this town right now. They've all, they've all found some happiness and bliss because of that, that miracle we saw in Minneapolis. That was pretty cool. What would mean more to you, uh, the, the fact that you won a, a state title as a kid or in two weeks if the Vikings are parading around as Super Bowl champions, Kevin Gorg? Well, for me, it was always about the state tournament, and I've been a lifelong Bronco fan along with the Vikings. I, just this morning, uh, while I was doing some work to get ready for Hockey Day, I YouTubed the highlight video of the last time we saw the Vikings in the Super Bowl of 1977. And I'll never forget that day as long as I live because I was out skating that morning uh, at the outdoor rink uh, by my parents' house and, and walked back in time to see the kickoff, convinced the Vikings were on the Super Bowl. 
And at, at the time, you just it, it became commonplace back in the 70s to see the Vikings on that big game. And uh, little did we all know that would be the last time we'd see them for a long, long time. Maybe this is the year they get back there. Yeah, now it's like once every once every decade or once every eight years, the uh, this new generation of fans, guys like me born in the 80s, who get to uh, get ramped up and they get your heart ripped out of your chest. But uh, so it'll be fun on Sunday. Hockey Day, Minnesota. You guys have with the Vikings still relevant and playing big games. Uh, a little more competition for Hockey Day, Minnesota. But you guys are starting at nine o'clock on Fox Sports North, and is it? It's five games, and you also have a game on Fox Sports North Plus too. So what are you looking forward to on Saturday, Gorgie? Well, it's twelfth annual, and I think it's great that because the Vikings are going, and because everybody's thinking about sports. That you know, the Saturday before uh, ramping up to it, it gives you something to pass the time. I think for a lot of football fans. They're looking for something to migrate to. We're going to be on at 9 a.m. Saturday. Uh, you get the 14-plus hours of coverage that, that you mentioned already. I love the outdoor venue. Every year I'm lucky enough to be on location and to see how that location comes together. They were up in St. Cloud this summer at Lake George and uh, kind of celebrating the, uh, the event and, and kind of pumping it up as far as here's where we're going to be and now to see the rink uh, get put together. And I'll be up there Friday morning watching the team's practice and watch the community kind of come together. It takes so many people behind the scenes to make this event go. And the outdoor games take center stage for me. I'm working both the, the boys' high school games out there. For the first time ever, we've got a women's college game outdoors with UMD hmm. and St. Cloud State. You mentioned the men's game on, on the Plus channel, which is a big one, uh, early evening around 5 o'clock with Minnesota State and St. Cloud State. Both those teams have been highly ranked all season. Both, I think, could make a run of the Frozen Four. And then 8 o'clock in downtown St. Paul, you get the, uh, the best team in the NHL comes calling. And I watched the Lightning up close and personal down in Tampa last month. It is for real. These guys are legit with Kucherov, Stamkos, and the like. They are electric to watch. Still tickets available, which surprised me. I talked to Aaron Sickman this morning, uh, our media mogul with the Wild, and uh, still some seats available to go watch the, the best team in the league pick on uh, the Minnesota Wild. But all in all, for us at Fox Sports North, um, it's a huge day. It's our very favorite day on the job, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be up in St. Cloud. How, how do you uh, uh, stay warm d- during the course of doing outdoor games, sir? Well, you know, we've had a couple of rough goes of it. and Yes. You know, brown alcohol. Brown alcohol. That's the key right there. Well, not when you're broadcasting. For the fans, they can have <laughs> they'll be tailgating, and I'm certain there'll be some of that up in the Grand City. But, uh, you know, we used to do it outside, and, and I'll never forget working in Bonnet Bay. It was something like 40 or 50 below uh, that, that day outside, and I know Blaine came to play Roseville, they almost canceled the game because it was so cold. And we were, well, Pamp and I were out there in these windbreakers. Oh, my in the God. Bleachers with the fans kind of held it around us, and it's come a long way uh, since then. That was way back, uh, you know, nine, ten years ago. Now we've got this, this beautiful perch above the rank. It's the same booth they use for some of their NASCAR events. And i got to be honest, nice. for all of us that call the games, uh, it's, it's a pretty warm spot to call them. Uh, to me, it, 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 this year, look at the weather, it's going to be in the low 30s, which after what we've suffered through here in the last month, it's going to feel downright balmy. And it's got refrigerated ice, so the ice is going to be pristine. And it's going to be a spectacular venue on the water there at Lake George. And they're expecting between five and 8,000 fans. And, you know, the games are great. The, the, the in-city battle between St. Cloud and St. Cloud Cathedral is really cool. And then Centennial and Moorhead, two of the top-ranked double-A uh, teams, both look like they're going to be one seeds in their section. Moorhead, of course, uh, out of that championship game run last year where they lost I think it was their eighth runner-up finish in, in boys' hockey, but they're always a power. So the games are going to be really good outdoors as well. 
Tell us the story about the uh, the car crash that, that you and LaPanta were in, and I believe that it was after the Baudette Day, correct? It was the second time we were in Baudette Bay. It was the same year I was talking about where early today it was 40, 45 below. And as the day went on, it, it with the wind gust, it got to that 55 or 60 below wind chill. And so originally, Anthony and I were going to be on the air till 11 o'clock at night, so we had a hotel room we were going to stay overnight. Well, the cameras started freezing up, so once the outdoor games were done, we were going to do a bunch of hits. There was going to be a bonfire, but the cameras literally were freezing up. So at 7 or 7.30, they called it and said, that's it. Um, we're done. We can't actually, in this weather, do anything anymore. And so we you know, we both had kids. We're both like, well, let's just hop in the car. We can listen to some of the games on the radio, and let's, let's drive home. So we get out of all of our cold-weather gear. We're basically in our jeans and our sweatshirts, and we start driving down the road. And you know, when you're leaving Baudette Bay, it isn't like leaving St. Cloud. I mean, it's, these are single-lane highways, pitch black, yeah. and, you know, it was high wind and, and a lot of snow. And so we got into a city called Black Duck, and there was like a three-foot snowdrift that had blown into the highway that you really couldn't see until the last second, kind of like when deer jumps out in front of you. And I'm driving my minivan, and that we hit that drift, and it, I mean, literally pushes us directly to the right down an embankment, and we roll seven or eight times in the middle of this cornfield. Wow. Now we got a couple of problems here. Number one, there's nobody around. Number two, we're not dressed for it. And then number three, the car is running and after rolling, you know, LaPanta makes the point, well, this thing could blow up. We got to get the hell out of this thing. And so luckily we got out, we found our coats, we found a phone and it was like a blender had gone off. Stuff was everywhere in the vehicle. And we go running to the highway and luckily three or four minutes later, a car was there uh, we got, you know, we got the help on the way, and, and we survived it. But it was a, it was a long tow truck drive home, middle of the night, four grown men in a tow truck. Wow! We're back home with that car in the back that had been uh, totaled. It was not uh, one of my happiest moments at that point, but we were lucky to be okay. So now you do uh, you, a main freeway vein has to be within like five <laughs> miles of the broadcast location. Ninety four, okay, St. Cloud, that'll do. <laughs> Much safer. Well, LaPanta's never been in the car with me since. I don't want that. No, yeah. Honestly, wasn't no. my fault, but he has yet to get back in a car with me. Yeah, that would uh, that free. What What does your gut say about uh, about what happens to the Vikings, Kevin Gord? I was just listening to you guys break it down earlier, and I, I do think that defense is going to be king this week. And even though the weather doesn't look too bad at all for the Eagles and the Vikings, I think the Vikings got away with uh, a bad interception. They got away with a bad special teams play, and I think in a game like this where both teams are going to be lucky to get up to that 17 or 20 point range, I think all that gets just magnified that much more. You've got to protect the football. So if you're Case Keenum, uh, you know, you've got to take the, the high road. You've got to be smart yep. and, and keep that ball underneath, keep it into the, the high percentage plays. And I think, you know, the Vikings are the better team. I believe that. I think they're the better football team. Uh, when you take Carson Wentz out of the program, I think they've got the, the better offense. And I think if you don't turn the football over, I do think the Vikings win this game. But I think it's going to be a meat grinder. If anyone thinks it's going to be an easy win, they're wrong. It's going to be you know, in that 17-16 type of game where the last possession probably decides it. This looks like two of the best defenses in football just going toe-to-toe and trying to create turnovers. And that's you know For the Vikings, that's one thing they, they really haven't done a lot this year. Their defense has been unbelievable. But they haven't been a defense that ball hawks a lot. This will be one of those days where if they can get pressure on Foles, if they can get an early sack and fumble or an early pick, I think the, the turnover battle this weekend, um, because of the, the situation with both offenses, I think struggling to score 
and field position being so important, I think it gets magnified. Yeah, Nick Foles might help you uh, with the turnover problem. I agree. But he could once or twice. Stuff. Hockey Day Minnesota, Fox Sports North, and also spilling over into a Fox Sports North Plus. Uh, just all day coverage, 14 hours, and uh, Kevin Gorg is going to be a big part of that. So good stuff, man. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it, guys. Should be a fun day Saturday. That's just the appetizer, of course. The main course is the Vikings punch their ticket. We get to have a home team for the Super Bowl for the first time ever. That's the plan anyway, boys. It'll be super fun. Right. It'll be super fun. See you soon, Talk Kevin. Talk to you later, sir. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, Kevin Gorg from uh, FSN. Yeah, I think that you know, when the – Nothing else. Like I, I'm all in on the wolves, and I, I love watching wolves games. But until the Vikings are done, I don't really have an appetite for a lot of other things. I'll, I'll fill my time with sporting yeah. events and stuff. But until the Vikings well, are Twins done, Twins Fest is is what in two days or something. Yeah, I mean you're not exactly thinking baseball. And no, but, and this and, is the first time that we haven't been there as a station in I don't know a decade. So it's not even on our radar anymore. The lack of moves this this winter has really hurt me as far as caring. Yeah, like it's just been, and not just the twins, the whole league. It's just been boring. Yeah. So Case Keenum is at the podium right now on NFL Network, speaking to uh, probably a lot of national yeah, reporters right. there too, local guys. So if he says anything controversial or interesting, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> oh, he's gonna, yeah. If he Definitely. if he starts throwing shots across over at Nick Foles, Nick Foles is terrible. I played with him. I saw him play. He's awful. We'll yeah. beat him. Mackie and Judd, and we can open up the phone lines for the next, I don't know, half hour or so. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. And and the question we asked two hours ago, is there any way this season can end in something other than a Super Bowl win that would make you feel good? Or is is it Super Bowl or bust at this point for you? For me, it's Super Bowl or bust. Judd is saying, no, if they just get there, then... I think it'll be a successful season. What do you guys think? 651-646-8255. Phil Mackey. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan. Judd Zolgad. Why can't you be enthusiastic and quirky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is their year. I mean, you don't they don't that you don't make a play like that and it not be your year. It is just <laughs> their year. I cannot wait to Philadelphia. You got Nick Foles, man. It's just Man, I'm man. Let I, the kicker made the kick. Drew Brees, they brought down and made the kick. You throw a hail mary, man. It's just I, I just feel like it's their year, man. We've exercised the demon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, for thirty oh years I've been this franchise, and my heart is broken every year. Oh, we, oh my god. <laughs> Dude, that, that line was <laughs> a great call. Thanks to all the listeners too. Our, you know, obviously it, it's an exciting time, and there's a lot of fringe fans who maybe don't listen to sports talk radio or podcasts and stuff until until the Vikings make a playoff run. But we had a, a blew away a record number of downloads for Ventline. Purple Podcast has been just on fire, crazy numbers this week. I believe the first hour of our show on Monday, the Mackie and Judd show, yep. had a record number of downloads for us. So. We appreciate it. We love that you guys are tuning in, and there's probably a lot of new people tuning in this week mm-hmm. because the Vikings are in the NFC Championship game, and it only happens once in a while. Can't 2009 is the last time. So the question we posed earlier on in the show, and we we debated this, we argued about this, I think it's all or nothing at this point. It's You're in too deep. Anything other than a Super Bowl win is going to make you feel terrible at the end of the year. It just will. And you think there's a middle ground of just getting to the Super Bowl and not having it be a disastrous loss well, will make you feel let me rephrase, accomplished. Let me rephrase a little. Oh, just back, slightly. Backtracking. Well, no, I thought, oh I, we're going to backtrack. I, I got a note from somebody, and it's a very good point. 
I've been having this entire conversation under the assumption it's the Patriots, which I firmly believe it will be. I don't think I give Jacksonville very little chance to win on Sunday in in the AFC Championship game. If it's Jacksonville and the Vikings, then I'm not sure that my statement would hold. If Jacksonville came, and I know they've got a good defense, but if Blake Bortles came into your stadium, and I realize it's a neutral site, but if they, but if Blake Bortles comes into your stadium and you lose, I think my statement is out the window. If it's New England, I think my statement stands, uh, or, or well, my statement stands in my mind. I should say, not I, a thing. Well, I will agree in that there is absolutely nothing redeeming about losing to Blake Bortles. That all right? Let's say your defenses cancel out. Don't lose to Blake Bortles. Yes. So I, I mean, the, so if it's Tom Brady, and to the Tom Patriots, Brady is, is somewhat forgivable. That's obviously, my point. But it would still be devastating in any context. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey Jeff, you're on the show. Uh, good morning. So here's my thought. It's a little bit like Bill Murray. It's a Cinderella season. I think they've got to get the get the ring uh, because they're going to be at home at U.S. Bank Stadium. Bring it all the way home. Maybe if. They were playing in a stadium outside Minneapolis, and we didn't win the Super Bowl. I'd still say it was it was a great season. I'd be okay, but because we're playing here, we gotta go all the way and you know bring the trophy home. That's yeah. my thought. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, it, it there's a there's a, that that layer of playing the Super Bowl in your own stadium and mm-hmm. then and then losing if that if that's what happens. But you know, there's still another game to be played here. And where I will come halfway on your point is. The hurdle that you're standing in front of right now on Sunday is a hurdle that you've tripped over for 40 years. And that's my, yes. So you've you've tripped over that hurdle for 40 years. Yes. Clearing that's that hurdle point. doesn't guarantee that you feel good at the end of the year. I think you got to clear the next two hurdles. But that this is, you know, this is a hurdle that, you know, what's a standard size hurdle? Like up to your waist or something, right? Up to your belly button. This one feels like the Sears Tower, like the Willis Tower. Yes. Well, I mean. I followed, so I started to follow the Vikings in 78. The last time they went to the Super Bowl was the 76 season. They went to the NFC Championship game then in in 77. So so in my time following this team closely, I have seen Darren Nelson not catch the pass. I have seen Anderson miss wide left. I have seen Favre throw a pick and 12 guys go into a huddle. I have seen Blair Walsh miss. So that's my point. My point is what you are looking at right now is the game that essentially in my time following this team, you can't get past. You can't get past it. Mm-hmm. That's why I think there's there's fans who, who will say, at least we finally got past that. At for, least for, we yeah. finally got to a Super Bowl. For two weeks. And then the Super Bowl comes. And then and then if you if you're trying to project that you'll be fine if they don't win it, I think you're mistaking your what you're going to feel like on that Monday. Uh, Lola, you're on with Mackie and Jeb. What's up, Lola? Well, I just wanted to say, I've heard some fans say, you know, for the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl, and finally in my lifetime, well, in in their lifetime, the person speaking, but in my lifetime, thank God, this hopefully will be the fifth time we go to the Super Bowl. Um, and, And I just wanted to mention that, you know, when Stefan Diggs, made the touchdown and threw the ball up in the air. It reminded me of Prince at the George Harrison uh, tribute where the heat beat the heck out of the guitar and while my guitar gently weeps. That's an awesome reference. And, and the commentator said, you know, it's like when he threw the guitar up in the air, it's like I've accomplished what I came here to do. Stefan Diggs accomplished when he 
went there to do. Yes. Go Vikes. Yes, when he threw his helmet. That's give, a great reference. Give her a sports show. That's awesome. It's a great reference. It was fantastic. Oh, yes. you're probably due for a new co-host at some point. Lola, that was that was an awesome tie to together of pop culture and sports. She's right too. That was very cool. Petty was up there. Harrison's kid, very emotional. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I still I still chuckle at the NFL's procedural buzz killing of that moment where it couldn't just be that the end. That's the end of the game. It's. Oh, we got to throw a flag, and I guess... Oh, well, at least Serator didn't then the mark damn. off the, the so that Keenum had to go back, what, 15 or 10 yards to take the knee. At least he didn't yeah. do that. Oh, did you see that uh, That uh, old Gene was refing the Gophers-Penn the State game the next night? Yeah, I sure and, did. And all of the other all the coaches were going up. Everyone was yeah. shaking his hand like he caught the touchdown pass. You were at that oh, game. Oh, great game. You refed a great one. I great did stuff, see. except for the missed pass interference calls on Adam Thielen late in the game. Other than that, it was great, Gino. <laughs> Nice job. A really good job. Isn't that incredible that you've got one of the top referees in the NFL, a guy who has graded out to be refing a primetime playoff game, one of the most watched playoff games, non-Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. in a long time. And you can't make it so that he's like a full-time ref or that he doesn't have to ref a college basketball game inside an empty Penn State arena. The refs are going full-time here eventually, right? Didn't we have, I thought we had something at the start of this season past where they were going to be full-time. Yes, I believe that's true. I'll look at details. I mean, (laughs) you're right. Instead, he wakes up Monday morning, got to go to State College. Maybe he just likes round ball. Maybe he wants to do it. Maybe he's not even getting paid. Scoggins did a big piece on him last year about the fact that he does does Big Ten basketball, NFL, high school twiddly wings, something like that. NFL hires 21 full-time game officials for 2017 season. That was the headline back in okay. Uh, okay. September so of last So some of year. them are full-time. Maybe he is full-time, but he still just really likes, like Dave said, he just really loves refing Penn State home basketball Who games. wouldn't say? There's no pressure to get a call because no one's there to care. <laughs> All I know is we've got Ed on right, Sunday. Here comes Hockley with the, the call, the initial call. The ball was illegally touched. But it was also, and it was then recovered by the kicking team. However, there was a holding by the receiving team number 57. That penalty will be enforced from the previous spot that will replay fourth down. New England is challenging the ruling on the field that the ball was not touched, and therefore that the recovery was illegal. If the ball was touched, by the receiving team, it would be a legal recovery by New England down there. Uh, what? I love how he ends it. Uh, down there. Over uh, that, there. In there, that region. Yeah. There is no delay of game. We didn't let the team go because we were switching our balls. <laughs> yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl. Pass interference. <laughs> Defense number 24. The ball is placed at the one-yard line. First down. How about this one? Recognize this one? The ruling on the field is that the punter picked up the ball and threw a forward pass. This pass was intentional grounding because there was no receiver in the area the ball would have landed. This is a loss of down at that spot. It will be Utah's ball, first down. Great explanation from Sean Hockley. The apple doesn't oh, fall far more? from the tree. There's more on the way? There's a Sean Hockley doing college football. <laughs> Listen to his. This is Ed Hockley's son. Oh, my gosh. Perfectly explaining oh. in college football. What conference does he ref in? Do we know? I'd have to look it up again. The ruling on the field is that the punter picked up the ball and threw a forward pass. This pass was intentional grounding because there was no receiver in the area the ball would have landed. This is a loss of down at that spot. It will be Utah's ball. First down. Oh, Pac-12. Great explanation from Sean Hockley. Oh, I've got one question. 
what's Christmas like at that house? <laughs> like when all the hockeyleys get together, who gets to talk? And do they explain like presents? We have placed seven mistletoes around the house, although one of the mistletoes is actually just a shred of garland. It doesn't qualify as a mistletoe. And so upon further review, there are only six mistletoes around the Hockley house for Christmas. If you get a crappy present, do you throw a flag at them? And then explain what was wrong? (laughs) For a half hour, just explain it in full detail. The wreath will go on the back door because we want to see out the front door. If somebody comes and rings the doorbell and or knocks on the back door, it will look better and more appropriate. That is why the wreath is being hung by me right now on the back door. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. So behind that peaceful countenance, there's, 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 uh, they're up to no good. Not huh? only they're peaceful, Patrick, but they're really, really stupid. Uh, there's <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Never push a good man too far. Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan star in the explosive action thriller The Foreigner from the director of Casino Royale. Don't miss the film. Critics are calling sharp, exciting, and compelling Own the Foreigner now on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. And head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for details on how you could win your very own Blu-ray copy. This group's playing with a lot of confidence, uh, playing with a lot of speed, um, not a lot of mistakes. I mean, it's a it's a scheme that just, uh, you know, they just basically say, hey, line up and, and, and come after us, try to beat us. Uh, Doug Peterson, coach of the Eagles, talking about the Vikings defense. There's all kinds of media stuff going on right now at Winter Park, just like n- national press conferences. This is this is the the big boy week here, Championship Sunday. So they've trotted out Everson Griffin and Case Keenum, and Stefan Diggs is talking right now. And he said, one of his quotes was, hopefully I can show uh, the play to my grandkids one day. It's a storybook ending. And uh, kind of like Coach Zim said, the good guys won. So there's all kinds of just, well, I'm sure there'll be some interesting quotes that come out of this, but yeah, the Vikings seem very, Diggs is very much back to mellow, Griffin's oh, yeah. back to practice mode, they've it's very it much down. just another Wednesday at Winter Park, and they've moved on to their next opponent. Did you guys see the the tweet that they put out, I think the Vikings did, of Griffin yesterday, where, where a camera followed him immediately after the Diggs catch, Mm-mm. and he's on the sideline, and it just ISOs on him, and the entire video, his eyes bug out. Like they are, they are bugged out. And at one point it's hysterical because he's standing there and he doesn't know what to do. Like he doesn't take off to go celebrate. He stands there. His eyes are bugged out. He's sitting there. He's standing there in jubilation, but he's not moving all that much. And like CJ Ham comes up to him and, and like pats him really coolly. Like, Hey man, we won. And Griffin is, it looks like he's just stunned. Just but completely stunned. He is, and he didn't. Stunned. And he didn't go down the field to celebrate. But his eyes stayed bugged out the entire time. I think his eyes spoke for every Vikings fan's eyes. In oh that. my! You, that's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'm like, I'm happy. I was sad. Now, <laughs> wow! I got. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm shocked. I don't know what else to say. It's unbelievable. Mike Zimmer shared this anecdote with the team, according to Kyle Rudolph. Saw this from our buddy Tom Pelissero. Zimmer told the team he went to back-to-back NFC Championship games with the Cowboys in 94 and 95. So was he the coordinator for the Cowboys team that won the Super Bowl in 95? Or maybe he's talking about the year before. I, I, don't, anyways, I don't remember. 1995, he said. Yeah. Hasn't been back since. Mm-hmm. 
because his his Bengals never went back. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys never went back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. And he told the team, just so you know, as as much success as I've had as a head coach and a coordinator, it's been twenty years. This is my first time back. A lot of you guys were just barely born in yep. the early to mid nineteen nineties. Yep, something to remember. If you think about it. In 2009, how, how many guys on that team who sat in, in the locker room after the Saints lost thought, I'm never going back here? I mean, there's one guy on that team left. I'll never forget, one, one of the lasting images of that game or that day was after the loss, we uh, filed our stories and went downstairs. And as we were going to, uh, to the Vikings locker room, Adrian Peterson is standing there in full gear looking at the field. And it was a great mental snapshot. Because you could tell he was thinking, how did we lose? And I think he was probably thinking, when are we going back? But it was just this snapshot of him in the tunnel as his teammates, uh, for the most part, had all gone in to start changing. And he's just standing there glaring at the field. And it was it was almost eerie in the sense that you could tell he knew that you had had this unbelievable opportunity and now it's gone. Maybe he was scanning the field for all the spots where he put a ball on the turf that, that day. Was, I'm sure he felt guilty Probably about it. Probably took a long time have. to scan all those spots. And he should it have. a lot. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Randy, you're on the Mackey and Judd Show. Skull Vikings, how's it going? What's going on, dude? Hey, you know, God, there's so many, so many emotions that were going on in that game. I was there, section 140, row 40. Wow. I got a perfect view right down the hash marks. You didn't leave early, right? Pardon me? You didn't leave early, did you? I have never left a game early in my life. Okay, just checking. A C- couple of people around me did. And, and like I said, I'm looking right down the hash marks. I'm saying, hey, we need so many yards, you know, for a field goal. My lovely wife says, we don't need a field goal. We're scoring a touchdown. Wow. So, uh, hats off to her. Nice. But you were ta- you're, you're talking about Keenum's uh, response, and I, I DVR the game, so I will go over and watch it. So I'm watching uh, Keenum's thing. The funniest thing I saw there, he's running around, running around. The first guy to meet him off the bench is some Ruben uh, that wasn't even a player. I don't think he was looking for that guy. I think he was, he was trying to get the end zone to see Diggs, and he got interrupted by some sideline guy. So I just <laughs> thought that was funny, and uh, that's my take, and uh, good luck to him this Sunday. Awesome, man. Thanks, Thanks for, for calling, call. Randy. We appreciate it. I still want one call from somebody who left. I think people are ashamed to admit that they I, left. Don't you, be ashamed. how much money you paid for the for the either the season ticket or the individual game ticket. You're gonna because you're you're gonna tell people. I, I'm with you. I think you should be open and say, you know what? I just I I've had enough. It. My whole life it's been the same damn story, and I couldn't take it anymore. Yes. And I left. That's a great story to tell, but it's also a very shameful story to tell that you weren't actually in the building still when one of the greatest plays in NFL history took place. <laughs> You have to swallow a large chunk of pride to admit that. They saw the field goal by the Saints, and they just thought <laughs> it happened again. I'm out of here. Enough people called to admit that's what they did when they were watching it on TV at home. Yeah. One guy went out to shovel the snow. Other people just went to you know do other things. They had had enough. They threw up the hands, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting so many emails from people back and forth on on uh, like, would you be okay with just getting to the Super Bowl? Would you? I it, I would say, what's our poll results at? Can we check that too? It was like seventy five twenty five people saying that nope, it's Super Bowl or bust at this point. Um, seventy four twenty six okay. seventy four being the winner bust. Okay, let's see here. Mark Mark emails in at the game. You so here's another person at the game. At the game, you had a sense we were using clock starting halfway through the second quarter. That once once the seventeen nothing lead took place, it was like all right, let's grind it, run the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the game, let's see, game one, this was where there was no feeling New Orleans could score fourteen points. 
On the interception by Keenum, I jumped up because Diggs did a stop and go that froze the corner. Keenum pulled back his throw and Diggs' head was nearly pulled off. Ran right and threw the ball two seconds late, changing the game instantly. Lots of plays <laughs> and both calls uh, calls both ways that created the drama. Nothing less than a Super Bowl win now. There were fans falling to their knees when New Orleans took the lead. Yeah, one thing not to wow. overlook, though, that happened in that game that should give you some reassurance. When Kai Forbath made that kick with a minute and a half to go, the pressure was, if because if he misses it, the game is pretty much over. The Vikings did have timeouts left, but if he misses that kick, then the Saints are just going to be in clock control first down mode instead of go as fast as you can to get down the field mode like they were. He made that kick with the playoffs on the line from 53 right yes. down the middle. Made it twice. Twice, from 49 earlier and from 53 the second time. No, I mean, he made the 53, and then it got whistled dead because Peyton was reviewing. And but he banged that one I through. I thought that was earlier, because the 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 49-yarder, I thought, was the one that got whistled. Early, no, but it was he, all in the same quarter. that one. Okay, either way. At like the end of the first half, yeah. Yeah, he made... From 49. Yeah, okay, so he made a super clutch kick. Yes, he did. With all the chips on the table, which should make you feel a little bit better. Unless it lulls you to sleep. Except for this turf <laughs> at Philadelphia. The bad turf might not. I don't know. I don't know if I feel Is better. it going to help if it's raining? Because maybe it won't be as like dry. And It feels like that turf is just overly dried and the grass is dead all the time. I just don't understand how it's 2018 and, and you've got at least a handful of fields in this league that are just abominations. It is weird. Like, can't just go you get, to tech turf or something. Yeah, I mean, can't you get this fixed? And I'm... I get, I get the tech turf isn't the perfect solution, but is it really smart in Washington or Chicago or Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or at the Coliseum in Los Angeles to be playing on stuff yeah. that basically just it turns into dirt? It's not charming, and it tears ACLs. I don't understand it. When we come back here, yesterday we were talking about Case Keenum. We did the Tony Romo comparison, and some other people chimed in with a There's only a small handful of undrafted guys the last 20 years that turned into star quarterbacks or franchise quarterbacks for at least a handful of years. I got the list here for you. Let's do some comparing and, and contrasting. Is Case Keenum in that bin? Or is he just kind of a pop-up, big-time season, and he's going to go back to... Does he compare to these other undrafted franchise quarterbacks the last 20 years, Mackie and Judd?